everyone. Thanks for coming back for another episode of the Weld.com podcast. Today I have with me Steve Plain. He is all the way from Alberta, Canada, and I found him on Instagram. He always, you know, supports our posts, and I know that he's a big supporter of the Weld.com channel, so I asked him if he would be interested in jumping on a podcast episode, and he was really excited. So, Steve, my first question I have for you, first and foremost, is how on earth did you come up with the name Scumbag Welder? That's actually a funny story because it kind of goes back to like when I first got into welding, I kind of got into it through my two brother-in-laws who were also in the union at the time. And I was like, it was right when Monster Garage came out and I was like a huge fan of Jesse James and that whole kind of, that's kind of like an ode to to Jesse James and that whole like rat rod type mentality thing and I just and and the funny thing is with that name my wife is very adamant that everybody knows that I'm not actually a real scumbag in real life that's just a name for Instagram <laughs> <laughs> I figured that much I never thought that it meant anything like I yeah. knew it was very surface level and that it was just something like funny and that it had more meaning than that but whenever I came across your name I remember it being memorable <laughs> I remembered who you were <laughs> So how did you get started in the welding industry? Uh, well, I'm not sure how much some of the Americans know about the oil sands up in Fort McMurray here in Northern Alberta, but for a so long time- I didn't care it, about it. It was just, it, it's just a very, it was, I mean, it's definitely slowed down a lot now the last couple of years, but like it was definitely a booming oil industry up in the oil sands with the tar sands and whatnot. And work was always booming in this city in Edmonton, which is where I'm located. And uh, like there was just work everywhere. You could literally start a job and quit it later on that afternoon and have another job the next day. It was just, and at the time I was working in housing construction for, I think I'd been doing it for four years. And then, uh, like I said, my two brother-in-laws were in the union already, the UA, the pipe fitters and plumbers union as welders. And they, they kind of got me in. They're like, Oh, you know, you should come, do this it's better than doing housing construction which it was mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I got my foot in the door because it was just and it was it was a great time to be an apprentice actually because like I was able to do my whole apprenticeship in the same same fab shop for three years straight nice. which was nice yeah so did you work with your family uh I worked off and on with them because I wasn't on the same jobs all the time like mm -hmm. Now that the industry has slowed down, both of them no longer work through the union. They're kind of doing other things because it's definitely it's dropped off a lot up here quite a bit. But yeah, I have worked with them off and on on different projects, different fab shops and facilities. So what type of welding do you specialize in exactly? Uh, it's all pretty much B pressure, which is like, well, I mean, I know our, our standards are a little different than the United States. But like up here, it's like for you to weld on pressure pipe, you're classified as a B pressure welder. It's a specific test that you have to do to obtain that that stature. And then once you have it, it's it's a ticket that you keep forever, but you do have to renew it every couple of years. Or depending on whether or not like certain jobs you go to, they make you renew it before you start working there. But it's all like pretty much now it's all like, I just do refinery work now. Because uh, pretty much, I mean, 
a lot of what I did was working in fab shops and then modular yards, which is kind of like because of the distance of the, the oil sands from here, it was easier for them to assemble mods in like a mod yard. So pretty much we'd build, the iron workers would build, put the structural steel up, we'd install all the piping, and then they would drive these things down the highway up to Fort McMurray, the oil sands, and it was cheaper that way than to actually assemble it on site. And then that's all they do is they'd stack these things, do the do the interconnect welds and whatnot. And uh, but for years we were doing that, like busy in fab shops and mod yards. But then that really tailed off with the downturn. So now it's kind of like you know, I, I right now where I work, I work I'm working through a contractor on a maintenance contract. Mm-hmm. So I've been in the same refinery for going on four years. So working for a refinery, do you, do they do like shutdowns and then you have to do like maintenance and repair type welding or are you yes. still doing like me? Okay. Is it mostly? I, that? We kind of, because our, our, the contractor I work for has the maintenance contract. So we do both. We'll do the maintenance work throughout the year. And then a lot of us jump over onto shutdown work. Like I just finished about three months of night shift just a, a couple of weeks ago, right before my vacation actually. And yeah, it's back and forth. We'll do maintenance, stuff like that. There's a lot of interesting things. Like I do predominantly most of the welding on live equipment. So I do a lot of hot tap, hot tap type welding in the refinery. So yeah, like sometimes you're welding on something that has a lot of H2S on the other side of it, or maybe fuel gas or certain things like that. That's interesting. I've never heard of that. So, so the machines don't shut down, but they still need to be like repaired or you have to do welding on them while they're still running. Yes. Some of the stuff that is just happened to be the way it was engineered and designed that they don't have a way to isolate and shut it off for it to be serviced. So sometimes you end up having to weld on live equipment and there's a whole procedure for it and whatnot. Can you but, uh, talk a little bit more about like shutdown work? So if somebody was like interested say that there was somebody who had like welding certifications and they'd only worked in a fab shop. Can you explain like how different that kind of work is? Like what the setup is like, like don't they put a whole bunch of scaffolding and then they have like. Yeah, there's a lot more. Stacked up. Yeah. If you're, if, if at least in the, in the, you know, my experiences with fab shop welding, like when you're a fab shop welder, you are welding all day that's your that's all you do whereas like even like on a shutdown or maintenance you know like you're expected to be doing other stuff also not just welding so like there's a lot of times where you're going to be you might be helping the pipe fitters you know pull out uh you know a, a large gate valve or help rig in something or you, you know help the boilermakers out with an exchanger stuff like that and like for new guys, sometimes it's a little bit, you know, and there is obviously the scaffolders there and there's electricians that are helping, you know, isolate equipment before it's worked on and stuff like that. I mean, even like going into a shutdown, there's a lot of, like we just recently did a boiler shutdown and like just for us to isolate the boiler to get inside to work on it, there's a, there's about 86 blinds that have to be installed prior to like accessing you know, the confined space inside the boiler. So, I mean, obviously like a lot of that, I help out with a lot of that, right? Whereas like a shop guy might not be too familiar with the idea of grabbing wrenches and, and uh, getting in there 
but I mean, you learn quick. Cause I mean, mo- for the most part on a shutdown, the guys that they hire, they kind of know that, you know, they have the guys that they lean on and then there's the guys that they just kind of need to help out. Right. So. Okay. So what's like your favorite thing to do? If you're like, you're going to go into a shutdown, like which part of that do you like enjoy doing the most? Uh, I, me, I'm a big fan of, of, of stick welding. I don't mind helping out, but like I'm happy the most when I'm welding, mm-hmm. like most guys, but like definitely stick welding. And there's a lot of it in a refinery. Cause I get that question asked a lot. Why? Oh, I, how come you don't TIG weld more? And like, obviously I, it's out of my control cause it's dictated by QC, but a lot of the stuff that like, cause this is a refiner that's been running for 70 years. A lot of it, the piping is, is so contaminated just over time. It's saturated with, you know, whatever's been running through the pipes and whatnot that like you can't physically TIG weld that because mm-hmm. it's just so heavily contaminated. I mean, sometimes they try to, they try to bake the, the impurities out of the pipe. But for the most part, it's just easier to just stick weld it because, like, obviously stick welding is a lot more proficient with with heavily contaminated piping, right? Versus, you know, if you see guys that are building, like, newer refineries or putting stuff together that's new, then you could get away with doing a lot more TIG. But I do like stick welding a lot, though. (laughs) Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So what is, what are some of your favorite projects that you've worked on? Uh... Definitely my most memorable would be, and I know, I think they still exist in the U.S., but they don't exist up here anymore, was uh, like KBR, mm-hmm. Kellogg, Brown & Root, which is kind of like a, a larger company. It was an American company. I think it used to be Halliburton, too. It's changed names a few times, but I worked I worked at a mod yard here in town for five years. It was also, I did my whole apprenticeship in their fab shop, but the five years that I worked straight in their mod yard, assembling like mods, was by far like out of my career it was kind of the pinnacle and I kind of regret like part of me dislikes that. Cause it seems like every job I go to, I'm always comparing it to that job. Cause that job was just from the supervision and the superintendent all the way down through like all the other trades that work there and just the work itself. It was just, it was a great job. I never had a bad day. I mean, it's, it's not much different than what I do now. Minus obviously like there's nothing in the pipes when you're assembling in a mod yard, but like the welding is, is kind of the same, but it was just, it was a good place to work but it ended up shutting down and they closed their, their doors a few years ago and, and moved back down to the U S. So that type of work, would you consider that type of work to be dangerous? Uh, what I do now, I would, I mean, a live, a live plant has a lot of interesting things going on in it. Like, you know, when it comes to H2S or, you know, we have a whole unit that's an alkylation unit, so it's it's HF acid, the whole the whole unit, which so, is like we, we kind of go in there. For the most part, we don't do a whole lot of welding in there, but like when we are in there, we're wearing like rubber suits, you know, head to toe and everything like that. But that's what I was gonna ask. Like, what like special kind of PPE do you have to use, or like respirators? Like, whenever you're getting into areas like where they're is like um build up and things like that do you just have to be like extra cautious uh i mean most of the because it is the company that runs the refinery is a very large company and uh so they have the rules in place like there's absolutely no welding or grinding without respiratory protection so like it doesn't matter even if you're you know just welding something structural on a beam out in the open like you have to have your half mask respirator on 
And same when we do confined space work, it's a full face welding respirator. I mean, people have seen that on my, on my page where I'm wearing a full face welding respirator and that's just, it's mandatory in confined spaces there. Okay. Yeah. I've seen you wear that. So what's the deal with the rubber suits? Uh, it's just because the potential of acid. Okay. That makes sense. It's so if you were, so you're not working for the union right now. Yes. I work for the union. It, it's, it's, it's union. Like the contract I work for is union. Okay. They are half, half boilermakers and half pipe fitters. And because of that, we kind of do a combination. So like, it's not uncommon that, you know, I do boiler make some boilermaker work, obviously like some people have seen me on my page, welding boiler tubes mm -hmm. and vice versa. You know, we, we kind of help each other out, but it's, it is through the union. So can you maybe share some information about, cause I'm not sure what exactly the differences would be between the United States and Canada when it comes to the union. What have you noticed like, uh, benefits of working for the union? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure lots of people have, I've never worked non-union in okay. this where I live just because there's always been, and for the longest time, the only way onto a lot of these larger job sites here was through the union a long time ago where like they had, you know, they kind of had the keys to the yard type thing where like, if you wanted, if you were wanted to get onto these big sites, you had to be a union worker. And for the most part, I noticed is that the unions out of the, the United States are a lot smaller. So they have a lot smaller membership. Like our membership, even through the downturn now, we have upwards of 12,000 members in this province. Oh, wow. Just out of one local because of the amount of work in this province over the years. And even though a lot of those guys aren't working right now, but then like I noticed like some guys, some like UA guys down in the States, like their locals only have like three or 400 guys. So obviously that's going to make it a little bit harder to, to stay employed down there when you have such a smaller union. Right. But I mean, it, it's the, it's the usual thing, right? I mean, you get your benefits and your pension. And like, I've always told a lot of the young guys up and coming guys that like, and they're chasing the dollar and they're focused on the hourly wage. And I'll, I'll still tell this and I'll argue it to the death to anybody is that your pensionable hours are more important than your paycheck. Cause like you're going to make good money off and on, you know, you work a couple shutdowns in a year, you make good money, but then like those pensionable hours that are adding up, you know, as your clock's running and you're working, that's the big thing when you, you know, you come to retirement. Cause a lot of guys that maybe are contract welders, they're not even thinking of that. I'm sure some of them do, you know, but like, cause I know you guys have like your 401k, but here we have like RSPs type thing where like some guys put into that and some guys don't. And then like, it's nice to have those pensionable hours. So it's like, you know, for every hour worked is like an hour paid into your pension. Well, yeah, that's definitely a big point. Like, so for us, we have 401k for retirement and then we have, like, when you retire, like, there's Social Security. So, like, based on, yes. like, your lifetime of, like, you know, how much you've worked and how much you've earned, like, you can go on to, like, the government website and, like, you could put in, like, right now, like, if I were to retire at age 62, like, this is what my Social Security would be. But you know what my number one fear is? I'm 36, so I'm going to be 37, so I still have quite a ways to work. But the way that like our economy is and our government, I'm scared to death that by the time I retire, social security is not going to exist. So yeah. you can get a job where you, there aren't very many companies that offer a pension in the United States anymore. Yeah. Like 
I think if you have the opportunity to get a job and you have to work 10 years, 15 years, whatever the heck it is, do it because then you have that as a safety net. And especially for the younger generation, if I'm worried about it at 36, someone who's just starting to work, they better worry about it a lot more than me. <laughs> yes. Well, and that's just it with the savings, right? Because a lot of guys, you know, they're getting into welding because they see the dollar signs and that's great. But like, let's face it, the majority of people, you know, that are, they're pulling in 200 grand a year. Like how much of that are they saving or putting away? You know, yeah. like, and that's where, you know, if you can have pensionable hours, like it's untouchable, right? Until you reach like, at least here in Canada, like until you reach that age of retirement, which for us up here, I think it's 65. Yeah. You know, you can't touch it. Right. Cause that's kind of like your union pension. Cause we have instead of like social insurance, we have Canadian pension plans. So like the government's pension, and then you would have your union pension as well. And then like, obviously if you have other forms of saving, like for a 401k or for us, like RSPs, then like it makes a difference in how you're going to live out your retirement. But oh. like a lot of guys don't think of that when they're, you know, in their twenties, or 30s making you know 200 grand a year they're just like spend 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 so it's nice if you have that patch because you don't even have to think about it it's just it's automatic you know it's just running every hour worked is an hour paid yeah so that's a big thing that one of our guys who started being a co-host for us he was talking about starting his own business and whenever he started it he would look for used equipment. He didn't have like a brand new truck whenever he started out. And like, he would just like replace equipment as he went. And he said a big mistake that he notices that these younger guys make is they go out and buy a brand new truck, take a loan out for it, then take like another loan out and go buy all this equipment. And it's just so crazy to me. And I, and we were talking about it and we were like, don't do that. Like we had a whole podcast, yeah. like, you know, just like if you want to start a little like mobile repair business, start with as little debt as possible. So then you can start getting the money and invest it back into your business. And then whenever you start to be successful, you won't have all, all that debt hanging off your back end. hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I use like the welding machines I use are provided for us by the company. So mm -hmm. I've never had to really worry about that but like I've definitely you see that misconception and a, a lot of it's just kind of like that's kind of the, the the negative aspect of social media right is like that there's there's a certain image that people want to portray and they see other people doing it and they kind of just like assume well that's the you know that's the way it is right but like yeah like why would you want to have to owe $150,000 in debt for a truck and a welding machine that like you know but guys keep doing it you know you <laughs> know but uh, oh, my brother did it. He, yeah. as soon as he started making money, he like, the problem is, is that you live up to your means. Do you know, yes. you, if you make 50 grand, you spend 50 grand. If you make a hundred grand, you're like, Oh, I can afford nicer stuff. And then you just keep expanding and like living up to your means. But I feel like the more that people talk about it, especially like in this industry, younger people are a lot more um, receptive to people that are older that have experience from the industry they won't necessarily like listen to maybe like their mom or their dad or some like maybe like somebody who's like doing something else but i feel like this is a benefit of this podcast and the weld.com community is that they can hear from people like yourself and then that might just like hit home a little bit more because you're saying what your experience has been and why you think this way. Do you know what I mean? So then they just yeah. understand it a little bit better. Like it's not just your mom saying, 
you know, quit spending your money, put some away. Cause they're like, why would I do that? Like, here's well, why. I could tell you one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given by like an old timer when I was just like, just a young apprentice. Cause now I'm just like one of the old guys, but like was, uh, you, you base your living off of four tens paycheck and anything else after that is just extra. And when you get your lifestyle geared around the idea of living off of like a four tens paycheck, then everything just lines up so much easier and it's so much easier to save money. And like, it just, everything flows that much easier. Cause I know and I know I have lots of friends that were like that too. When, you know, when times are, when you're in boom times and you're working seven tens or twelves and you're making a ton of cash and then it's easy to get wrapped up in that. And then like living above your means. Right. But like, that was the best thing. And I, I, to this day still do that after 16 years of like being in the industry is that I base our lifestyle off of like a four tens paycheck and everything else after that is just like extra. That's so smart because it, it's relatable even to me, even here. Yeah. I mean, my husband, he has a pretty decent job and I work two jobs and I can tell you that could we go out and buy like a way nicer house than what we have? Of course we could, but I refuse, I refuse to do it. I do not ever want to be house poor. That's what I call it. If you yeah. are really, you have the nicest house in the neighborhood or you have the nicest house out of everybody, you know, like good for you, but what's in your savings account? Like, or like exactly. something happens to you. Like if one of us were to lose our job, it's such a blow that like, are you going to be able to withstand that? I try and well, think that way. And that's the thing in the, in the, like the, the trades aspect a four tens is pretty much like the, the, the minimalist schedule that you'll run into on a job. That's kind of like, you know, I've done five eights, you know, but like four tens is kind of like the, the lowest that you go. So it's like, if you kind of get used to that idea, it's just, everything's that much easier, especially if you're trying to, you know, pad your your bank account yeah that's really smart advice I really appreciate that so what kind of advice other than this like financial kind of advice for saving what kind of advice would you give to someone who's in high school and they're on the fence about whether they might want to become a welder uh you just have to I mean you have to look at the industry and you see that there's a lot of guys on there that are on Instagram that are like transitioning into other, other genres. And that's a big thing is just to be flexible. You know, I see a lot of guys and a lot of it, you hear me kind of criticize Instagram sometimes because there's a lot of like other aspects of it that like people get wrapped up in. And like one of my big like pet peeve ones is like the TIG welding thing. Like I get how important TIG welding is, but everybody is so focused on like these, these perfect tig walked cups caps sorry and yeah. it's just not it's it, and there's a lot of guys that do it amazingly on instagram but it's just like don't limit yourself to just doing that because like you get out in the into like a refinery setting like you're not doing that at all anywhere in a refinery and you know like and i tell guys like learn how to freehand tig because that's like me that's all i do because it's just like there's i've never really bothered with the, the walking the cup thing because it just doesn't work in that those scenarios and like be open to like learning all different processes don't limit yourself to just you know just being you know one just a, a tig welder you know what i mean learn how to do stick how to stick weld. learn how to you know 
do STT or RMD because like you're going to run into some jobs. Like I know the few people that are still working in fab shops up here, like that's all they do now. They don't even, they don't even mess around with TIG or, or stick anymore. It's all predominantly just like RMD and STT hmm. MIG. Cause it's just faster flux core, you know, like, and you're going to have to learn all that stuff. Right. And I mean, there's always more tickets to obtain too. like, you know, Manel and Inconel, like the alloys are big too. Like, you know, you, you get those alloy tickets and you, you know, you'll be, they'll be coming looking for you for work. But at the same time, I mean, I know like I get that question a lot too, because I have a, a 17 year old son and he's kind of like getting his, his himself into the trades through high school. And people are shocked because I'm not pushing him into welding. And like, I'm pushing him more into like HVAC and uh, refrigeration mechanic because that's what the demand is up here. And like people are like, well, why won't you just pass on your knowledge to him? But it's just that like work has become so, so iffy up here. Like I've made a good reputation for myself. I don't have to worry about like chasing jobs. Whereas like him getting himself out in the industry for the first time would be like, it'd be, it'd be risky and he'd be chasing work around. So I I've steered him into like a different kind of, and it, it would still be through my union, like the United association, but like a different genre of work. Right. So, I mean, I wouldn't tell people to just, you know, necessarily go after the welding because I mean, any trade is a, is a good trade because you know, any certified trade is going to be having like, you know, pension and benefits and stuff like that. So, I mean, if it happens to work that, you know, you're, you know, you're going to be doing HVAC work or, or whatever that works in that, you know, where you're living, then, you know, pursue that, but you can't just limit yourself. Cause I've seen a lot of guys that are just adamant, like, well, I'm going to get into pipelining, but then they live, you know, somewhere where there's like next to none pipeline work. And you're kind of like, well, why would you specifically go into that genre? Why wouldn't you try to find something else? Or, you know, it's just people have to just be open-minded, especially the younger generation. Yeah. That's actually smart that you push him to do something different because you guys can counterbalance each other. Like say for instance, he gets in and then you're like, you know what? Like this industry is like not really giving me the work that I want anymore. And then if you still have, you know, a good bit of years to work, then you could go and then he could help you. Or if he does want to cross over and do work like you, then you could train him. So you guys can kind of lean on each other too. Yes. Yeah. That's really smart. So you have, you're really into tattoos. I know that about you. How <laughs> many, how many tattoos do you have? Uh, over 23. I, I don't even count anymore. Cause I'm kind of like, I'm in the process of like finishing my whole front chest. So it's kind of just like one big giant tattoo, but definitely like well over 23. Is there one in particular that has a lot of meaning to you? Uh, Definitely. I mean, I have, I have four tattoos. Well, three of them are my kids and I have like one for each of them. And then I have one for my wife on my inner biceps. So to me, I think those ones would definitely be like, have the most meaning to them. Nice. So the way that I found you on Instagram is because you always post these very like motivational and positive they're not really like quotes, but you always like post a picture and then you just have something that just like exudes confidence and positivity when you're having like, you know, those long weeks or like, if you have an off day, how do you like keep yourself like in a positive mindset? Like what's like your motivation that keeps you going like no matter what? Uh, 
I don't really have like bad days. I mean, I guess like if I, if I'm welding, I never have a bad day, even if it's like something like really tough. Cause I've ran into some tough ones over the years, but like, it's just, everything's a learning process. I mean, I, you know, I tell guys that, that, you know, might get down on themselves cause they fail a test or they, you know, fail an x-ray and like, all you can do is just take what you learned from it and, and apply it and make the changes. You know, nothing's really, you know, a, an old friend of mine always told me that. And he said that like, you, you know, if you're not failing x-rays, you're not really welding. And like for the longest time, I never really understood that. I was just like, that's crazy. But like when I thought about it, I was like, you know what? And it's honestly true. And it's like, if you're not pushing yourself, you know, to try new things or, you know, to try to like weld that wider gap or run hotter or use a bigger rod that you're not familiar with, or maybe try a different position that you're not familiar with, you know, you're going to make steps or you're going to, you know, have missteps and make mistakes. But like, as long as you're taking, you know, those mistakes and applying what you've learned from it, you know I mean? Everything's just a learning experience. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of guys that work with me, like a lot of the pipe fitters that I work with, they're always amazed because they're like, you never have one of those epic welder freakouts. I've never seen you do it. They're like, I don't understand how you could stay so calm because some of the spots that I crawl into and whatnot and like, and for me, it's always just like, you know, it, it's like trying to solve an algebra equation. You know, you try to find the right body position and this and that, you know what I mean? Like I never just, I, it's hard. I don't really have bad days, you know, and I just try to pass that on to people because like I've always found with Instagram, there's a lot of negativity on there. And I was always like, you know, if I could post something motivational and make somebody's day and I used to get, and like a lot of guys would, you know, respond back and they'd be like, oh man, your, your motivational things really you know, help me get through the day sometimes. And I'm like, you know, the fact that something that I just, you know, thought, cause a lot of them isn't necessarily me thinking it up. I just see, you know, motivational quotes. I'm like, wow, that's a great quote. And I repost it. And then, you know, if it's making the difference in somebody else's, you know, life, then that's like all I try to achieve. Cause it's just, there's, I find there's just a lot of negativity sometimes on there. And it's, if you can make a difference with, with some positivity, why not? I definitely agree with that. Sometimes even whenever I see your stuff, it will make me just stop for a second. And I'm just like, you know what? That's like really nice that he did that because you never know if somebody is having a bad day and who you are going to affect. And if you can make one person just stop for a minute, breathe and go at it again and like get right back to it and be like, you know what? I'm, he's right. I'm just going to put my head down. You know, what do they say? They say, run your welder, not your mouth. I wish like there would be more of the people that are negative just would do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so speaking of negativity, I would really like your insight on this. So you know that we've gone through a transition period at weld.com, like from the previous management. And then obviously you hear my voice and you know that like I'm doing the social media and marketing stuff for them. And then we have a new business unit manager, and then you see many new faces on our channel. So we're trying to basically diversify to offer insight into many different areas of welding, like not just stick welding. Like yeah. we want to do TIG welding. We want to do the art side of things. We want to have women. We want to have instructors and advisors and all these different aspects of it. When you watch like our newer videos, like with our new team, like since March, what's like some feedback or advice that you would like to give our hosts since they are new? And I know you've been a supporter for a really long time because 
honestly, like we're very open about it. And if people are going to criticize it, we would rather it come from somebody who is a supporter and is going to give us constructive criticism so that we can keep delivering quality content. So like, is there anything like you would suggest that we can improve on like in the videos we've been doing? I mean, I, I think the videos are great personally. I mean, the more information, the better, obviously. I mean, there's a lot of like misconceptions with what goes on in the industry and whatnot. But I mean, other than that, like, you know, what you guys are doing is awesome work. Okay. Well, if you think of anything or if you ever see a video and you think something could be done better, please message me and I always get that information. And anybody listening as well to this podcast, if you guys have constructive criticism for us, we are like a hub for the community. Like we're trying to do that. Like this is free content that we post on YouTube. So, I mean, it's free resource for anybody in the welding community. And if we can do something better for you guys, then who better to hear it from than you guys. So please be vocal about it. All you have to do is message weld.com on Instagram, or you can go on our forum. It's just weld.com backslash forum. And um, I wanted to make sure that everybody knows too, that you can go on our website. Our website just launched a couple of months ago. We changed it. You can go on there and create a member profile and engage on the forum. There are a lot of people who post like pictures of their welds and there are a lot of students. So I feel like you might like this, Steve, like there are people that are just having troubles with something or they have a certification test coming up and they just want to know like, Hey, what do you think I'm doing wrong? And we have our advisors engaging on there, but if anybody wants to go post on there, we're more than happy to reach out to you guys and help you get what you need. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. I always tell people, anybody that ever wants any tips or tricks, like DM me. I'm not afraid to help people out. I've helped out a few people in the past. Like, you know, that's the whole purpose of this is to just help each other out, especially the, the up and coming generation. You want to steer these young people into the right direction. Yeah. So where can people find you on Instagram? Uh, at scumbag welder. They can you just have, DM me. You have underscores, right? Hold on. Yes. There's me... underscores in between that. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. You have at scum underscore bag underscore welder. So that's where you can find Steve, but I will definitely share your link to your profile. Cause I really appreciate how positive you are and Thank, Thank you. you so much for jumping on this podcast with me. Oh, anytime. Okay. All right. Well, until next time, guys, go weld it out. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 